So I started driving when I was about 11. Uh, my dad would take me out. Really, there, I lived in Onaway, and there was this road called the Rabbit Trail between Onaway and Alberta Beach. And I would drive down there. And so I'm sitting in the car there, and you know there's the dash here, and there's the steering wheel. And I was a really little guy at 11, but I could just see over the dash and under the steering wheel, and I could drive. I didn't have the under, understand the concept of mirrors at the time, but my dad was there, and I guess he trusted me enough to drive. And I remember I just used to love driving, you know, the power of the gas pedal. You all like that, right? I'd love to drive as a kid. And the more you drive and the more you drove, you got a little bit more confident. At least I did. Because I was scared at first. And soon I was driving trucks. And there's a picture here of one of the first jobs I had for the city of Edmonton. I drove those cement trucks. Not both at the same time, obviously. There was another guy who took the picture there. And, and we had two small cement trucks. We did patch jobs in the city. And I drove that for a few years. In the wintertime, I drove uh, a sander. And so I, I started to drive. And then in between my driving for 25-some years, I did some ministry. And then the next picture is a picture of, that's the truck I drive today. For the last five years, I've been working as a truck driver and just driving uh, around the area here and being home every night and not working weekends. And uh, I've also had the blessing. Uh, Brenda and I have been able to travel to quite a few places. And I've been able to drive in other countries. I don't know if you've had that opportunity. But I've driven in Paris. And this next picture here is the Arc de Triomphe. Anybody driven around the traffic circle in the Arc de Triomphe? Anybody? Yes. What a crazy place. There's 12 streets that come together to this traffic circle. And I think you can fit about 12 cars in there. And there's no lanes. In 1991, Brenda and I went to Europe with her parents, and we ended up in that spot, driving around and around. And like a good Canadian boy, I went right to the inside lane, right? And how do you get out? And I just remember Brenda's mom keeps saying, that's our exit. That's our exit. Yes, mom, mother dear. I'm trying to get out. You've got to be a little bit more aggressive in Europe there. Also, have you ever driven on the Autobahn? I'm sure a few of you, man. Oh, I tell you, the need for speed is met there on the Autobahn. Of course, I had a regulator on my car. as She sat right next to me. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't allowed to go past 150 kilometers an hour. But there's the sign. We were on our way to Eagle's Nest. Now, we did uh, a tour in the morning of The Sound of Music which my, my wife loves that, so we did a Sound of Music tour. And then in the afternoon, we did my tour, which was a World War II tour, and we got to go up to Eagle's Nest. Now, Eagle's Nest is the chalet that they built for Hitler when he turned 50, and it's high up in, in the mountains. And the next picture there is uh, my son took that picture of me up on top of Eagle's Nest overlooking the mountains. And it's interesting, you can only take a bus up there. And there's a place on the road that's so narrow, they have to stop so the buses can, can meet going up and coming down. And there's this huge elevator that takes you up to Eagle's Nest, and it has these polished brass walls. Huge elevator. I guess to, I heard that Hitler was claustrophobic, right? And he didn't even like heights, and they say he maybe only went up there maybe 10 or 12 times uh, in his life. I've also been to Mexico. I've been on a few mission trips. How many of you have driven in Mexico? 
there's no rules there at times. Sometimes you're going and there's, there's, two, vehicle, there's two lanes and all of a sudden there's four vehicles. And people are just turning everywhere. And, and here I am in a, in a van loaded with, with kids, teenagers, on a mission trip. And we're trying to navigate through the streets. Some fun times. We, we made it. No problem. Also drove in New York City. How many of you have driven in New York? Now, we rented a car. And we had a certain time we had to be back. And we had GPS that worked until the last, was it, half hour and have you ever been lost in a car in New York City and all of a sudden you end up downtown by, by Times Square and your wife is next to you and she's ready to kill you, I think? <laughs> that was the test of marriage. We made it through that, thankfully. I like the option of getting in a vehicle and driving. I like to be in control. I like to take the odd detour I like to take the odd shortcut, right, Brenda? Oh, yeah, ask her about some of those mistakes I've made. I'm sure we can get there if we go this way. Come on, all of you guys have done that. And you're too stubborn to turn around, right? And three hours later, oh, that was me. Three hours later, we got our way back. I also like to have that brake next to me. If someone else is driving, I can't reach the brake. There's just something about that. I like that control. I want to take you back to when I was in high school. My very first car. Now, it's not this one, but it looked just like this. Pretty impressive, eh? A 1974 Dodge Dart Swinger. I bought it off my grandpa. <laughs> it was my first car. You know what? I was scrummaging through the, my basement last couple weeks ago with my daughter looking for some stuff. And guess what I found? These are the car keys from that 1974 Dodge Dart. And my Lily can't see it anymore. It used to say, praise the Lord on here. I still got these car keys. And it just reminds me of that independence, that control that I like to have, right? Don't we all like to have that? It was my baby. Do you remember your first car? Now, some of you got to go way back. Maybe you had a crank on your car. You know, maybe not that long ago. But do you remember your first car? Or if you don't drive, do you remember your parents' first car? Do you remember things about that? Was it just your baby? Did you have a name for your car? Oh, some of my friends had nicknames for their car. Would you even let your friends drive your car? Who would you trust to drive your car? My brother had some nice cars he would never let my sisters drive his car. In fact, he never even let them ride in the car. It could be winter, and they had to go to school. Seriously, he would make them walk. He would not let, he didn't want to be seen with his sisters. I, I didn't get to ride in it either, so I was no better. I also taught my kids how to drive. That takes patience. That takes a lot of trust. My daughter's a good driver. She's here this morning. She is a good driver. I, I, I trust her. She, she learned well from her father. So in high school, I worked at a gas station. It was a golf station. Golf, G-U-L-F. Do you remember that sign, the golf sign? 
and it was a bulk station, so it wasn't a regular gas station. Like, you couldn't come up with your car and fill up. You'd have to come up with your tractor, or if you had a tank in the back of your truck, or you had a drum, and so it had one of those big nozzles on it, <clears throat> so you couldn't fit it in your gas tank, right? So I worked there $3.25 an hour. I remember that, making that, but I got gas at cost, and believe me, I went through a lot of gas. That didn't sound right. I went through a lot of fuel. So being one of the older teenagers in our youth group, I always drove people home. So Friday night was youth, and I'd drive a bunch of people home. Really, I'd have 12 or 13 people in my car. In that car, 12 or 13, squished together. We didn't have the seatbelt law. We just packed people in and drove them home. And I remember this one winter, Friday night, drove everybody home, you know, burnt up a lot of fuel. Then Sunday night, we were all there. We had a really good youth group, and we had church on Sunday night. And I said, hey, I'll drive you all home. And somehow the parents trusted me to drive these younger teenagers home. So as I would, I was dating a girl at the time. You always drive your girlfriend home last, right? Right? This is the way it is, right? So you drive everyone else home. And then I noticed that the gas gauge had went really low. So it's just me and my girlfriend, of course. <laughs> and I go, oh, I better get some fuel. So I drive to the bulk station here, and it's a little bit cold. So I say, you know what? I'm just going to leave the car running for you. I'll go and get a funnel, and I'll fill up. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't leave the car running. I'll be fine. And I said, no, no, no. I, being the kind young gentleman that I was, would leave the car running for her so she could stay warm, right? And she goes, no, and she's begging me, don't. And then she gives you those puppy eye that puppy-eyed look, right? And I'm like, okay, okay, I will shut it off, no problem. So I get out, I turn everything on, and I come over, and, and I put the funnel in, and I'm filling it up, and she's fine. She's got her jacket on, no problem. <clears throat> put the funnel away, lock everything up, had the keys, get back into the vehicle, give a little smile, and I sit down, and I go to turn the key on, boom! I yelled out, boom. I look over, and she's not even there. She's on the floor. And I am laughing. Woo, I got her good, man. She is on the floor. Oh, she's not happy. I thought this was a good one. Way to go, Terry. Uh, not so good. I spent the rest of our trip home. I lived in Onaway. She lived in Callahoo. Uh, she was sitting way over here. Way over here. There was no, not, no none of this. <clears throat> and so, driving home, I'm apologizing over and over. And both hands on the wheel, and eventually she gets a little closer, and it's like, okay, everything's fine, and we're halfway to her house, and it's a gravel road at the time. Right now, it's Highway 37 now, but it used to be gravel, and there's a truck. It's sitting in the middle of the road. The lights are on, no flashers, and it's a little odd. Why would it be sitting there? And so I have got my arm over here, and I've got, you know, you're just sitting cool, and you're driving around, and I thought, I'll just pull around this truck, and as I go to look to see if there's anybody in the truck... She yells out, Doc, he's got a gun. The hand comes out, both hands are on the wheel, and I'm flying down this gravel road. The heart is pounding, and I'm scared, and I'm shaking. Oh, she's laughing. <laughs> she is laughing. Got me back. Got me good. I deserved it. Oh, yeah, uh, you're funny. Great. No problem. Get up here, you. And so <clears throat> I'm driving, happy, and, and I look in the rearview mirror, and there's this truck. Looks like the same one. It's following us. I'm a little nervous now. 
Or maybe we just worked each other up a little bit <laughs> that we were a little scared. And so, okay, I take my arm around, both hands on the wheel now, and I speed up a little bit. I don't have a problem with speed. Okay. So I speed up a little bit, and this truck keeps following us. I'm sure it's the same one. So I step on it. Gravels are spinning, and I'm going down the, the roads here, and I pull off into a, a driveway behind some trees, shut the car off, and sit there. Both hands on my lap. And the truck goes driving by. Ah, okay, maybe he's not following us. Ah, no, yeah, okay, we're joking with each other. We're scaring each other. Oh, okay, let's, let's take her home. So pull out of the driveway and start driving again. No lie, this truck is parked in the middle of the road again. Weird, I know. Now my heart's beating. That's really fast. Arm comes off the shoulder, both hands on the wheel. We are flying by this car, this truck. We are not looking in to see if there's anyone there. I'm getting this girl home. And I go flying by. I take her home. It was a short good night, a little kiss on the cheek, and that was it. And I was gone. And I drove the long way home. Never went back that way that night. True story, we found out the next week there was a guy who was stopping in the middle of the road. He was putting out a mannequin on the road and getting people to stop as if it was a hurt person. And he was trying to rob people, take advantage of people. Was that him? I don't know. But after that, I found it really tough to trust people, trust other drivers. Because people don't always do what they say they're going to do. Have you ever been to a four-way stop and someone says, go ahead, and you go ahead, and you're not quite sure? You just make sure that they're going to go first. You ever had someone have their signal light on and they don't turn? You can't always trust that people indicate and they're going to turn. And I really have a hard time trusting someone else to drive when I'm in the vehicle. And let me take you back also to high school. I have a friend uh, in high school. Let's call him Glenn. Well, because that's, that's what his name was, uh, Glenn, Glenn Clark. And he liked to drive as well as me, right? So I don't know if you, anybody knows Glenn Clark, but uh, love him, great guy. But he wanted to drive too, and I wanted to drive. And we used to golf quite a bit, and we would get up before school. So we'd get up at like 5 in the morning, go and golf, and then we would go to school and try to stay awake. So I'm sitting in the, in the passenger seat chair after, and he's driving, and you know what happens after a, 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 go, a golf game, you're kind of like, you do the old head bob, and all of a sudden you fall asleep, and so I'm like that, and all of a sudden, clunk, and I'm like, he's sleeping too, <laughs> and, and all he looked at me and said was, I think I killed someone, I think I ran over someone, I said, you're fine, we probably just said, no, I killed someone, I'm sure, so we had to drive around the highway, come back. And we saw a, a tire on the road from a, looked like a, a little tent trailer or something. And he must have ran over that and, and, and woke us up. Well, you think I'd learn from that? Here we are again in Stony Plain golfing, and we're coming back. This time he's driving his brother's car, and we're tired, and I'm doing the old Bob thing. And this is what I woke up to. I hope you never wake up to this noise, but this is what I woke up to. So I'm sitting here nodding off, and I hear this, and I wake up, and... Glenn's sleeping again behind the wheel, and we are going around the corner on the guardrail. We are on the guardrail in his brother's car. I swore after that, never again will I fall asleep in a vehicle with someone else driving. You may be a great driver, but I'm going to stay awake. 
when you're driving. Except for Brenda. I can sleep when Brenda drives. And why? I trust her. She, I've seen her driven. We've been married for 29 years. I've seen her drive before. She's a great driver. In fact, one year, when I used to work at Youth for Christ, we used to go to California every spring break and take teenagers down there. Sometimes five busloads, these are like Greyhound busloads of teenagers to California. But the one year, and the next picture here, is we took two vans. We only had 20 of us. And so me and Brenda drove the one van, and we would have to change driving every four hours, right? So we had all the luggage in the back. Then we had a bed, and we'd try to sleep when the other person drove. And I had no problem sleeping there. And the end destination is the next picture. That's somewhere close to the Grand Canyon. We got down to California, and we went to Disneyland. What a job. I got to take kids to California, take kids to Disneyland, and teach them about Jesus. It was awesome. But I trusted Brenda because we've been together for years. And I know she's a good driver. But she knows I like to drive, and so she lets me drive most of the time. Now, I have a confession to make. And I hope this doesn't apply to you. But when I see some people driving down the road and the wife is driving and the husband's not, first thing I think of is they lost their license. <laughs> it's serious. I don't know why. Because I just think, I like to drive. Why wouldn't every guy like to drive? But maybe it's okay having your wife drive for you. I'm not saying your wife's a bad driver. I'm just saying that's me. So, sorry if I've offended anyone here. Let your wife drive you. That's okay. You sit back and you relax. I understand. There's a bunch of, there's some simple rules to driving. Stay between the lines, follow the signs, obey the rules, pay attention, stay alert, keep your eyes open, use your mirrors, use your horn when you need to, let people know that you're there. Think safety first. There will, there'll be some detours, there'll be some mistakes, there'll be an accident or two. Sometimes you need help with the accident for repair, sometimes you can fix it yourself. But you know, there's a lot of parallels between driving and trusting God. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is trusting God. Now, most of you, when before you took your, your, your uh, driver's exam, you read the Alberta Driver's Handbook. Gives you the rules of the road. We need to know those. It makes it so there's not chaos out there, right? There has to be rules to driving, or we'd be running into each other. Thank goodness for red lights and green lights, and yet some people don't know the difference. But Listen, I drive for a living. I see people doing weird things all day. I see people eating porridge out of a bowl and have their cell phone on the hen day. I've seen that. I don't understand. There's rules to the road. There's rules and there's guidelines for the Christian life. It's God's word. God has given us some standards to live by, some guidelines to live by. And if we want to live a godly life, we follow them. We need to trust that God has given us to them for a reason. We need to obey the signs. They're out there for a reason. Anybody who lives here in Beaumont knows you obey the rules in Beaumont. You don't come to a rolling stop. You come to a stop. There, yeah, a lot of tickets given out here to my good friends. <laughs> obey God's word. It's there for a reason. Love God. Love others. There's a whole lot of of, of, of not really rules, but the guidelines, commandments we call them too, to live by so that we can have a godly life, so we can have a relationship with God that doesn't have these barriers, it's not chaos. 
We need to be alert and pay attention. We need to be alert and listen to God. It's not just enough to believe in God. We need to, I believe, listen and obey God. We need to think safety first. I don't know if anyone here has ever taken a defensive driving course, but they teach you how to give a cushion so that you, you don't get too close to people. There's safety first. And I always tell people, too, that in our Christian life, it should be safety first. Let's not see how close to that line of sin we can get, but not cross it. No, let's stay away from that. Let's not even get near that line. And God's given us the standards to live by if we choose to read his word. And you know, the more you spend time trusting God, the more time you spend with him and in his word, the more areas of your life you give to God, I believe the more you will trust him. You will see that he is trustworthy, that his word is true. One of the most difficult things to do in our current society is to relinquish our control. Did I mention I like to be in control? That's why I like driving. I like to be in control. But it's difficult to give our control to someone else, to depend totally on someone to lead us and to guide us. And the word of God lets us know that we need to learn to wait on the Lord, to trust him. But like a lot of things connected to our Christian faith, it's a lot easier to say we trust God than it is to actually live it out and do it. Because waiting on the Lord means trusting him for his timing, for his ways, and not ours. Trust is a scarce commodity in the world today. And yet, as a Christian, we're told to trust God. In the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, these next two verses here, God tells us that we need to trust him. And Joel talked about this quite a bit last week. So it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It's trust the Lord with some of your, some of your heart? No. All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. All your heart. What does that look like? Is that possible? And yet we're told to love, trust the Lord with all our hearts. C.S. Lewis wrote this. To trust him, referring to God, means of course trying to do all that he says. There'd be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, in a less worried way. C.S. Lewis says, doing all that he says. Proverbs 16.20 is, he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. And what does it mean to heed the word? To listen carefully. Listen, I'm probably like everyone else. I like, to, I like to read God's word, but sometimes I just fly through it and say, checklist, I'm done. 
Do I really listen to it carefully? Do I let it marinate and soak in? Do I pay attention to it? What is it trying to say to me? That's what God wants us to do. Heed the word. And what does it mean to trust in the Lord? And then you, you will be happy as he. Trusting God means he's reliable. He's honest. We can believe that God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do. Now, what does that mean? He is who he says he is. How do we know who God is? We read his word. It tells us who he is. How do we know he's going to do what he says he will do? We read his word. So we know what he says he will do, and then we trust him. But if we don't read God's word, how are we going to know? How are we going to know his promises? How are you going to know his commands? How are you even going to know his love for you? It says it right there. C.S. Lewis also says, trying to obey God. Proverbs 28, 25, and 6 says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. I've been a Christian for a few years now, way back in high school, and I've learned to trust God in in quite a few areas of my life. Quite a few areas. I'm, I'm trying with all areas. It's a work of progress after all these years. I worked at Youth for Christ for 11 years, and I saw God provide as well, the finances in, in my life. And people supported me. I was a stay-at-home missionary, and I, and I really seen that. And, th- and then all the years I spent in church ministry dealing with the needs of the people in the congregation, right? Marlo, it's not always, it's joy. It's a joy. But it's also stressful. It can be. It can be. But we trust that God builds his church, and you're here for a reason. You're part of this church for a reason. And then you want to raise your children to trust God. Don't you? That was our goal. We want our kids to trust God. We're learning to trust God. We want our kids to trust God. I'm going to tell you a quick story here. Our, our kids have lived together, uh, our son and our daughter, since um, you graduated in 20, 2013. And... They've had a townhouse, and, for the, and then our son got married, and so now there's three of them living together, right? And they get along, which is great, but we've been trying to sell the townhouse for the last two years, trusting that God will have a buyer, trusting that God will have a new home for, for each of them, trusting, and we're telling our kids, trust God. He, he knows what's best. He has something good for you, and yet two years go by. And you start to wonder, well, you know, we trust God, but do our kids trust God? And you keep praying for him. And I remember very distinctly here, just a few weeks ago, Brenda is standing back here after church talking to Linda Kariah, and she's sharing the heart that she has that our kids will hopefully trust God. And if you know my wife, she can get a little bit emotional. And Linda, who's in our small group, was praying for her and just comforting her. And I want to give a shout out to all of our small group because we've shared with our small group over the years and our small group has been such a support to us. They know the situation. They've been praying for us and we are so thankful. Listen, if you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. We wouldn't survive here 
without a small group. And so kudos to anyone here who's in our small group or any of you who are in a small group with someone else. You don't realize how important you are to the people in your group. And we are so blessed to have those people pray for us. Long story short, just a couple weeks ago, we had a buyer for our townhouse for the kids. It sold. Boom. And within a week, our daughter had a condo. A nice condo. Not just any little condo. Like, I'm jealous almost. It's so nice. And our son has bought a half a duplex. And, and, the, and the great thing is, is they only live about four blocks apart. And they wanted to live close together. And so they were waiting, and they had patience, and they trusted God, and they both have a wonderful place. And so uh, a couple weekends in August, I'll be looking for help to move. No, I'm kidding. But you just want your kids to trust God. You want to trust God. And so God has come through and, and showed. So I have a question for you this morning. And I think this is what God is trying to say to you this morning is will you trust me with that? Will you trust me with that? Like, what does that mean? God is saying to you, will you trust me with that? With what? With everything and anything that you are dealing with. God is trustworthy. God wants you to bring it to him. He wants what's best for you. He really does want to look out for you. But you need to trust them. It's not always in your time. It's not always when you want and how you want it. And believe me, I think you've heard this morning, I like to be in control. And when God doesn't come through when I want it, it can get a little irritating. But I've learned over the years to trust. To trust God. To trust God with your finances, with your relationships, with your work, with your future, with raising your children, with retirement, with your marriage, that you will learn to trust God. Give him these areas. Jesus' followers were having a dispute, um, and Jesus reminds them that who he is and who he sent them. This next slide here is, is uh, John 8, 26 to 30. And it says that, but he who sent me, and this is Jesus talking, he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Even Jesus said, God is trustworthy. Give him a shot. Give him a chance. This morning, let's, let's pretend that your life is a car. And there's a wide variety of people here this morning. So if your life is a car, where would Jesus be in your car? Now, maybe you even haven't let Jesus in your car yet. Maybe you're, getting, you're learning, beginning to learn a little bit about Jesus. Maybe you haven't invited him in, but you're kind of here and you're curious and you're just trying to learn a little bit more about him. And maybe he would make a good friend. Maybe you can trust him. You're not quite sure if you're going to let him in the car yet. And I understand that because I've been there. I've been there. But maybe you've invited Jesus in and he can ride in the passenger seat. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him a little bit. You have conversations with him. You're getting to know him better. But you're not willing to let him drive yet. In fact, there are times that he's in the vehicle and you meet someone else and you say, Hey, Jesus, in the trunk. I don't want anybody to see that you're, you're with me. It happens. Or maybe you just bring Jesus along once a week and let him ride in the car. But as soon as you get home from church, like, okay, you're out. 
Or maybe you're a bit like me. Maybe you've let Jesus come into the car a few years ago and you let Jesus get in the driver's seat. You're learning to trust him. You let him drive. He wants you to trust him. He wants to have control. And yet, as I sit over here, I'm like, hey, Jesus, left turn. Hey, Jesus, do this. Hey, Jesus, I want to go here today. Every morning we need to get up and let Jesus have control of our life. Every day. Because the natural thing for me to do is take control. I want control. It's just built into me from an early age. We want control. And the Christian life is giving up control. Trusting that God knows what's best for you. That God cares about you. We're running out of time here, so I'm just going to skip ahead. Sometimes we worry too much. Sometimes we don't trust enough. I understand that. So what I want to do this morning, we're going to jump ahead to the Proverbs challenge. We've been going through the book of Proverbs, and there's so much wisdom in there that God has for us. And we need to read that, folks. We need to be reading through the book of Proverbs. So here's your challenge. For the month of August, let's see, how many, cha- how many chapters in, the, in, in Proverbs? 31. How many days in August? Oh, 31. Oh, my goodness. So 31 days, 31 Proverbs. If we were to read one chapter a day of Proverbs and allow God to speak to us and learn to trust him, except for you, Marlo and Miriam, next Saturday, you guys don't have to read a chapter. You can read two on Sunday, okay? You get a little busy next Saturday. And we're praying for you guys. There's the challenge for you. Do you really want to learn to trust God with your life? Every time you get in the car from now on, those of you who drive, I hope you are thinking back to this morning about who's driving? Who's in control of your life? Is it you? Or do you trust God to control? Do you trust God to be in control of your life? Because you know what? He's trustworthy. Man, he's proven himself over and over. He is trustworthy. Amen? Amen. Trust him. But read his word. Know the handbook that he has given us. So when we drive on this journey in life, it can be a godly life. And we can influence others.